Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Thought Leadership Podcast, where I speak with industry pioneers and business and technology leaders shaping their sectors. I'm your host, Tim Bond, founder of techpros.io. Now, those of you who listened to the last episode will know that I spoke with Jeff Warren, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Netrix. Uh, Netrix are a cybersecurity software company that provide data security and governance solutions. And last week, Jeff talked to me about Netrix's layered approach to securing data, identities and infrastructure, and how their technology is preventing attacks on client environments. Today, I speak with Craig Riddell, who is Jeff's colleague and Chief Information Security Officer. Craig has over 15 years of experience in cybersecurity and identity access management. He previously served as Director of Identity Access Management at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. In our conversation, Craig provides fascinating insights into the world of identity and access management and why ephemeral access is the future. Let's get into it. So you talked about being in the military, being in the infantry. Just just fill in a few of the gaps then that sort of what have you done before joining Netrix? Sure, sure. Um, so prior to joining prior to joining uh, Netrix, I was at HP. I was at Hewlett Packard. I was the director of identity and access management there. Um, and then uh, prior to that, I was the head of uh, global solutions architecture for um, a company called Trend Micro. And it's all been around the relatively the same concepts, right? Identity, migration to the cloud, modernizing, and and really the more the higher that i get in in my career the more paths i find or more links i find between the time that i spent in leadership roles in the military and things like that right because i think traditionally a lot of my peers in cybersecurity they kind of look at it as like well i'm cyber and i said you can't do this so you're not allowed right mm -hmm. and for me i kind of view it as like everybody in the military is doing somebody else a favor right nobody's really and then somebody's doing what they're told I would rather be the person who's kind of proactively reaching out to the business and going, hey, let me understand more about what you do. How does my process fit into what you're doing? And um, I had this fantastic mentor who's, she's still the CISO at, at, um, at HP. And she really kind of helped me change my mindset from tactical, you know, we have a job to do, here's our mission to diplomat. And that diplomatic you know, hey, you're still keeping the mission in mind, but you're, you know, building relationships, you're accomplishing your objectives by bringing people into the fold. It's not so much subjecting your will or your compliance against them or whatever, right? So um, Joanna Berkey, uh, the CISO at, at Hewlett Packard and, and the lady that I reported to at my old job, she really, through books and podcasts and, you know, individual mentoring and stuff like that, she's the one who really got me to change my perspective on all that stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of a, a brief history of Craig. I got out of the military and jumped into um, help desk work. I was working at the Walmart, on the Walmart account doing you know Unix stabilization support and backups. Quickly found a passion for identity and cybersecurity. Started messing around with you know ethical hacking and things like that. And then um, once I could look at the problem from both sides. I really liked being on the defensive side. I really liked, you know, going out and doing thought leadership and getting to have podcasts and talk to people like you and other people in the industry and just kind of talk about this kind of lost art, so to speak, of, of identity and access management, which all of a sudden was 
thrust into the forefront of everybody's mind by COVID. Essentially, right. it was how do we get all these people to securely work from home? And you saw companies that had a really good identity strategy were able to pivot pretty effectively. And, and companies that didn't have a good identity strategy are still struggling, right? I, I know lots of companies that are still trying to get, figure out their work from home uh, strategy and, and securely do it. Are you able to define identity access management and just just give a bit of a deep dive? You know, what, what is this all about? Let's let's understand it. For those. Very, very high level. Um, the, the concepts of identity and access management are, are you the person that you say you are doing the thing that you're saying you're going to do on the machine that you said you were going to do it at? And do you have just enough permission to accomplish your intended task? without over-provisioning you and giving and introducing a new level of risk to the business, but without under-provisioning you and causing a new risk to the business by you know, not allowing the business to operate at the speed that it needs to. Um, that's kind of how I view identity and access management from an from a extremely high level. Now, obviously, it gets, it gets more detailed as you kind of dial into the individual practices. In terms of your offerings at Netrix, is this a core kind of proposition for, for, for the business? Just help, help us understand where. Yeah, where this it is. And I, I think there's a couple of tenants inside of identity and access management, specifically identity governance and administration. So IGA and privilege access management. So PAM, those two spaces, there really hasn't been a lot of innovation in, you know, they were kind of cultivated and pioneered by the same people who are leading those industries. And as far as like the Gartner reports and stuff like that go. And, you know, un unfortunately, as we, as you kind of see this pattern in tech happening, you become more, you know, kind of beholden to your shareholders than you do your engineers and you stop innovating or you start innovating by acquiring companies instead of designing things. And then things start to get bolted on instead of built in. So the reason why I left HP and came over here is because I've been an ephemeral access enthusiast since Netflix released their Bless solution. You know, they kind of wrote a paper on how they do access management and it was all ephemerally. And I thought that was brilliant. And it's kind of what I view as the next generation in, in access management, where these fields start to converge at a certain, at a certain point, accounts stop being these static things that live out there forever credentials are, you know, provisioned literally at the time they're needed and destroyed afterwards. So you can actually remove the attack surface. And I kind of thought it was always going to be something that was piecemealed together. There's other companies in the space that that do it, but they don't really do it at scale. They don't really integrate with modern um, cybersecurity solutions at, at hyperscale, you know, for these massive environments that I'm used to working in and stuff like that. And then I came across StealthBits, which, you know, StealthBits and Netrix came together to form one company. And Martin Kennard's kind of a staple in the industry. He's been around, he's worked on Beyond Trust, he's worked on CyberArk, he's worked on all the, the big name PAM solutions that are out there. And the thing that I loved about the company whenever I interviewed him, with him was there's people who get ego attached to things and they fall in love with it because it's their baby. And then mm -hmm. there's other people who take a step back and they look at it and they're like, man, this would have been great if I would have just done this. Mm -hmm. Martin's released and helped work on products that have literally changed the way that we access critical infrastructure. But he's also humble enough to know where he could have done things better. And now we have this NPS solution. And um, that's kind of where I view the future of access management. And you can kind of see it 
with the way the rest of the industry is starting to even follow what we're doing. You know, CyberArk's the leader in this space. They have been for 20 years. Um, they pioneered this space. Their their ephemeral access um, solution is coming out next month or December, right? So it's always good whenever you start to see people kind of emulate your behavior. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that we are the next evolution of privilege access management, identity governance and administration. It's hard to make waves in those industries because there's been so many companies that have gotten um, very wealthy off of deploying these incredibly complex solutions. Um, and then now we're kind of tilting the game on its head and saying like, what if we could remove all that complexity, but still keep your security posture just as high, you know? So they're like kind of uh, colloquially or whatever, there's a there's this rule of threes, right? So it's like, you're going to spend in IGA, you're going to spend $3 million in three years to get three connectors. That's kind of the unfortunate truth about how these products work. Well, if we could take that and you have a, a services company that's used to making, you know, $3 million or a million dollars every year to deploy it. And then you go want to partner with them and you say, but that million dollar project, that's going to go away. We're just going to help. Well, we like that million dollar project, you know? So at a certain level, you, you have this power flux where the industry is demanding something more, but they don't know how to implement it themselves. So that you rely on partners and services and stuff like that, but they need to change their business models. I think I think we're just a little bit ahead of of that curve, which is great because we can ride the wave whenever the industry does make the turn. What I'm hearing is that you've got a, your differentiation in the market is that you've got a less complex solution that is presumably faster to implement and less expensive. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's exactly what when I was when I deployed this solution at HP when I was a customer of NetRicks before I became an employee. Yep. That's essentially what we did. I mean, we saved the company over a million, $1.2 million a year just by removing complexity, the reduction in staff, the reduction in infrastructure, um, all that stuff. So yeah, that's essentially what we're doing is, is taking this cybersecurity solutions and then making them work in these incredibly dynamic, fast moving environments that the business is leveraging to go forward. And we need to, we need to be able to operate at the speed of business. We're not, we're no longer traffic cops who say you can or cannot do this. And without sort of getting into too much detail around the technology, you know, what has enabled the the business to, you know, to achieve that outcome, which sounds like from a business perspective, you know, a great place to be in. When you have the opportunity to work for a smaller company like Netrix, that's privately held, you have the incredible ability to kind of move laterally in your organization yeah. and and take on multiple jobs and influence change at a, at a rapid pace, right? When as you move into a bigger company, obviously there becomes more checks and balances and rules put in place and all of that type of stuff. So there needs to be some sort of compelling event. I think the way that Microsoft has kind of come to market with their E3, E5 kind of strategies going in and selling these bundles of cybersecurity solutions is brilliant. But what that did was it also took the market and it made them evaluate their vendors in a different light. It made them say, you know, not only can you solve this point solution for me, but what else can you do? And solving one problem is no longer good enough. We we need an integrated cybersecurity strategy where appropriate things are talking to each other and we can see the whole picture. Um, It's hard to do that when you have competing companies who don't inherently want to work together, right? 
So our approach to this whole thing isn't, isn't really so much of here's why we're better. Of course we can tell that story, but it Mm -hmm. is, it's, it is much more of a, Hey, we acknowledge you. You've already spent millions of dollars in these technologies and you're not just going to walk away from that investment. Here's how we can improve your data that you're already getting from these technologies by applying ours as an overlay. Here's a mm-hmm. migration path. If you see this as strategic to migrate completely off of these older technologies, but then, yeah, here's a better together story because yeah. let's face it, the companies that that we're talking to, they're always going to have a certain level of technical debt. They're always yeah. going to have some systems that are behind the IT curve that need some sort of legacy protection. And I think that those legacy systems should be protected by the legacy products. That's exactly what I did at HP. but the more future facing stuff should be covered by something that can keep up with it. And you shouldn't just cram your existing cybersecurity solutions into your dynamic cloud environments and stuff like that, just because you're used to working with them. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. How can you demonstrate to a new customer that your, you know, your technology is, you know, just as you, as you've said, and, and is going to add that additional value? Um, there's a few different ways that we can do that. I think, um, probably the most compelling way is to literally just show them. So we can scan environments and kind of give you reports um, to show you where the problems that you have are. Because a lot of the time, what you see in, in these realms, as far as the practitioners go is, yeah, there's one IAM team, but then there's several disciplines underneath that team. And those pillars aren't necessarily aware of what the other ones are doing. Right. So your PAM team doesn't necessarily talk to your IGA team all the time, which doesn't talk to your infrastructure team all the time, which doesn't talk to your AD team. So you kind of have to come in and have that high level conversation of, well, hey, let's just look. Let's look at the environment. Let's see what the real state of things are. And then let's make a go forward strategy, whether you choose to use our solutions or not. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the awesome part about my role at Netrix is like, I get to talk to prospects and customers and stuff like that. Sure. But I'm not attached to sales necessarily. So for me, if I come into a customer and I have a conversation with them and our solutions aren't a fit, I feel very empowered by the leadership here at networks to just be like, Hey, I don't think this is a fit for you, but, Mm -hmm. but still here's my information. Here's what I would do if I was in your shoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to answer your question, as far as like, how do you show value? I think we can we can dump all sorts of financial metrics in front of people as far as like reduction in staff and infrastructure, but all of that's going to be semi-unique to the to the individual customer. The most compelling stuff is just really, hey, you have a team of brilliant engineers, and I'm sure that there's nobody there that has any malicious intent. People just get busy and you know they they do things out of the need to do it fast, and then they have the best intention of coming back and, and tightening things up but we have 16 projects and the tightening never happens. So let us scan your environment. Let us show you where the hotspots are, the problems are. And then if you choose, we will do the scan for free. And if you choose to, to work with us, that's amazing. And if you just choose to take that data and go fix your environment, hey, that's amazing too. That's, that's super interesting. So if I'm hearing it right, you're happy to get a relationship started with with an organization by adding some value up front and, and doing some scans, if, if, if that's the right word. Absolutely. Demonstrate some, reveal some information, perhaps that that they wouldn't ordinarily, with their existing tech stack, be able to see. And as you say, that that may mean that 
you can add value to them with your set of technologies or, or maybe not, but at the very least, you know, you're creating some value and, 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 and that's a great start to, to any new relationship, I imagine. Yeah. And I mean, look, very likely I'm not going to retire from, from Netrix. You know what I mean? Like I'll move on to something different in a few years or something like that. And that's kind of how I view every single time I talk to anybody, regardless of if they're a low level engineer or a CISO at an organization is I don't know where you're going to end up. I don't know where your career is going to take you. Maybe you're going to do amazing things. Maybe you're going to stay here for the rest of your career. I don't know, but I'm going to treat you like I want you to treat me. I want I want to treat you like a trusted advisor and colleague. I never want to call somebody and then go, oh, Craig's calling me. What's he trying <laughs> to sell me this week? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to be the person who calls and says, hey, how's everything going? Where can we help you? Hey, I saw that there was a breach. I know that you use this vendor. You know, like- yeah. I really want to shift that into a consultancy. And I think that what that does and, and kind of what how I communicated internally here at Netrix is it's push versus pull, right? Like we're pulling people into our sales funnel. I want people pushing other other people towards us because they had such an amazing experience. And and that happens. Like we we uh we recently lost a deal at a at a healthcare provider that we were kind of competing for and they thanked us afterwards. They were like, man, you guys are great. This came down to pricing. You know, it was above our pay grade, but like, we loved working with you guys. We'd love to stay in touch, you know, and, and who knows where that that's going to end up a year from now or 18 months from now. You know what I mean? So for me, there is no such thing as a, as a true loss, as long as we're, you know, providing value. Excellent. Okay. So just sort of switching across to the marketplace, Obviously, with sort of COVID, COVID, the you know the acceleration of of hybrid working, remote working, etc. Presumably, all of this is putting increased pressure and requirement and demand, I guess, for uh, identity access management. Perhaps you could just share a few thoughts about the the changes that are taking place in the industry and how that's impacting your market. For sure, COVID, right? Because now. I think that I don't know of any companies that don't have some sort of hybrid workforce, right? So there's lots of stuff that we don't even think about as cybersecurity professionals. You know, do you have a smart device in the room that you're, you know, taking these meetings from? All sorts of stuff like that. How do we make sure that you can access the things that you need to do your job securely, that you're not exposing, you know, things to misconfigurations and and all of that type of risk from a cybersecurity perspective. But then there's other things that have happened in the industry that I think are just as compelling. I mean, cybersecurity insurance for the first time this year is making it a requirement to have a PAM solution. Um, so now all of a sudden you're starting to see all these industries that, or even smaller companies that never had a requirement, don't know what privilege access management really means, but now they're like, well, hey, I have to have this because my cybersecurity insurance requires it. So there's a lot of education that's going on around that. And then just the advancement in technology. I mean, 5G always on where every drill bit has an IP address kind of thing. How can I make sure that this machine data is truly machine data and it's not being manipulated by some third party or, you know, my AIML engines are within their operational bandwidth and ranges and, and all of those types of things are obviously concerns too. We have a million more endpoints on the network now and all of them are important from an identity perspective. So I think the, the this practice in identity and access management is 
just going to continue to explode exponentially. And then, and then on top of that, now we have this new account type, robotic process automation, right? It's kind of somewhere in between a interactive and a non-interactive account. And there's just a lot of, a lot of really, really awesome things happening in the field around technology, around cybersecurity, and all of them touch identity because at the end of the day, we're, we're the ones leveraging it, right? So it's extremely exciting. The, the innovation that's coming out is, is just incredible. I'm a little bit worried about how human-centric our identity is now. I mean, there's not a lot of maturity as far as automation and user self-service and stuff like that. It's a desired end state for a lot of customers, but very few of them actually truly get there. I think that the onus is on us as vendors to make that process easier, to reduce the time to value and all of that type of stuff. The regulation is really driving driving demand and an increased interest in, in the space significantly, right? Absolutely. Just talking more broadly around Netrix's propositions. So wh- where does sort of um, IAM and PAM fit into the broader kind of uh, Netrix suite of, of offerings? Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's about two thirds of our portfolio, and really, what you where you start to see what I think is the most exciting advancement or new market term that I think is is relevant is you know you you start to hear a lot about ITDR, so identity threat detection and response, and realizing that identity is is a a holistic process and needs to be you know, understood from everything from authentication to authorization and then continued authentication and authorization past the point of just that first check is really kind of what Netrix does. We're, we're looking at, at this through three different lenses, so to speak. We're looking at this through the data layer, through the infrastructure layer, and then through the identity layer. So covering all of those. And then also realizing that you know customers have already made strategic investments in certain areas and we need to work with those with those investments you know having um patented integrations with like EDR and XDR tools to increase the value of of an investment that somebody else has already made leveraging existing agents on endpoints and not having to deploy our own you know we're we're Netrix's approach to solving these problems is Hey, we can help. We can deploy our own agents if we need to. We can do all of this from start to finish by ourselves. But let's be realistic. That that opportunity very rarely happens to redesign your cybersecurity stack. It only happens through M&A activities or company splitting and stuff like that. What's far more likely is that we're going to go into a customer, we're going to talk to them about, "Hey, what strategic investments have you already made in? Which technologies are you married to that are part of your core capabilities?" And how can we work inside of those to make this experience as user-friendly as possible with giving you the highest level of security as possible and, and get you to that maturity level as fast as possible, you know, where you can have the automation, where you can use your existing ticketing systems, your change management processes, whatever that happens to be. The kind of general, if we, we sort of go at the look we're talking about sort of threat mitigation etc and and you know there's been a lot in the press over the last few years around you know the kind of threats from um you know different different sort of rogue states perhaps if we could use that use that term um yeah you know obviously th- this is an increasing problem for for the enterprise you know what 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 sort of netrix's sort of general position on 
you know, how to, you know, to address this sort of, I guess, increase in, you know, in security breaches that is, 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 is a reality as we continue this digital evolution. Yeah. Our approach is definitely defend, you know, we, we have a strong shield, so to speak, but I would say that we're very realistic. I mean, advanced persistent threats, nation state attacks that are extremely advanced, you know, we kind of operate with the best intention to keep all bad guys out, but mm-hmm. with the realistic view of the the cybersecurity world that we live in today that, hey, likely if bad if bad actors are want in, they're either going to get in or they're already in. Right. So how do we shut this down to where whether it's a misconfiguration and it's a data leak due to poor settings, we can still block that. Yeah. Or whether it's a true breach, we can we can block that. And our approach is really, like I said, it's the data, the infrastructure, and then the person and kind of that defense in depth strategy from, hey, we're going to try it. We're going to keep them out. But if they get in, here's plan B. And then if they get in and they access data, here's kind of plan C to keep that data safe from being exfiltrated and all of that type of stuff. So it, it's a it's a true defense in depth strategy, but our identity portfolio specifically is covering everything from the Active Directory layer, um, attack simulations, all of that type of stuff, privileged access management, even getting into you know that ephemeral access type of space, and then um, beyond. So doing things that I think are more like bleeding edge, like removing interactive access completely, being able to proxy commands through a safe server, like I said, integration with your EDR, XDR investments, all of that type of stuff. So it's... It's, I would say we look to be, we look to find um, synergetic relationships inside of environments where we can leverage a piece of a technology and that technology also gets something from us leveraging it, but also keeping in mind that if we have an incredibly complex process or a a weird UI, or you can't run it headless and it has to be, you know, a one-off solution that if the users don't want to use it, they're going to find a, a clever way to bypass it. So we try to work very well with the user community and and let them use all of their existing tools, not interfere with the day-to-day processes and automation and all of that stuff too. So it's a, it's a balance, honestly, between what's the right security posture and what's the right level of how often can we annoy your user community with, you know, all of our MFA checks and PAM and all of that type of stuff. And it's a, it's a moving target. And what about sort of technology sort of evolution and innovations? So obviously with sort of the acceleration of artificial intelligence, et cetera, how, how is AI impacting, you know, your, your technology and your, you know, your business? Yeah. So, I mean, like we talked about that three, three, three rule for IGA, right? So that's kind of the core concept that our, our IGA platform was built off of was like, this isn't scalable. I, I've been in and around the identity space for over 15 years, and I've gone to maybe less than 10 customers who have a fully deployed PAM solution, a fully deployed IGA solution. What ends up happening is you end up running out of money because like I said, you're spending millions of dollars a year on professional services, and then you end up looking for the good enough state instead of finishing the job. So leaning into things like AI and ML to leverage things like role mining, for example, and reducing the time to value there. That's that's really what we're trying to do, shaking up the IGA market, shaking up the PAM market, getting into orchestration, attack pattern recognition and, and stuff like that. So we can even look at, at things beyond just 
surface level where we can say like, hey, maybe Craig doesn't have a privileged account today, but if these set of conditions were to happen, Craig's account right. could be privileged. So having all of that type of stuff is is really kind of what we're doing. And the whole the whole thought process there is we want to reduce the total cost of ownership of our products. We want you to use them. We want you to get them installed. We want them to be everywhere. And we want to increase the time to value. So if it takes you a year to roll something out, well, you're going to hate me for a year because you've already spent yeah. the money. I want you to use it tomorrow, you know? So it's AI is, is core to your tech stack right now. And you're very yeah. much at the forefront of leveraging these, these, these technologies, you know, to pass on that value to your customers. Yeah. And, and we're, we're looking for more ways to, to integrate using that too. You know, like there's a lot of stuff like this identity threat detection and response um, that you're starting to hear a lot more about, you know, the cybersecurity mesh architecture framework and all of that type of stuff is really kind of a, a way to point a finger at us and say, shame on you guys. Why are these solutions not talking to each other? And Netrics is, is kind of going forward with that. Like, Hey, even though we compete, we have feature parity and a lot of things and we're going to lose deals to you and you're going to lose deals to us. There are also customer environments where we can exist symbiotically and, and do what's best for, for this, this customer, this vertical, et cetera. So getting people to kind of drop their ego on that is, is a little bit rough, but outside of that, it's going pretty good. Wonderful. So last question with your vast experience, Craig, what's one takeaway or lesson you'd like to share with professionals in the identity space? Forget that you're in cybersecurity and remember that you're a person. Everybody, we, we get so caught up in kind of this tunnel vision and we have a very big problem to solve, but we look at it through such a tiny little pinhole and we take we we forget that the person that's across the table from us is just trying to do their job too they just maybe have a slightly dif different definition of what success looks like i have found whether it's me as a practitioner me as an executive me as a consultant whatever it is simply forging relationships with somebody saying good morning bring bagels to a meeting whatever that happens to be coffee what you know shake a hand ask how somebody's kids doing, try to understand their process before you demand that they understand yours will move mountains for you and just get, it'll clear so many roadblocks proactively. That's the number one thing that I recommend to anybody, whether they're in identity, whether they're in cyber, whether they're in, you know, marketing, yeah. <laughs> go understand the people that you're trying to influence and then watch how fast you can get things done. Because I can really see how you know, cyber can be sort of, you know, seen as the sort of, you know, the, the security police, the kind of the, the, the team that you want to try and avoid and perhaps not collaborate with or, you know, well, that's, got that that's exactly of, how it was, right? Like, yeah, yeah. before cloud adoption got so popular, yeah. if you wanted a server, yeah. it was literally a stop. Cybersecurity got the server, we installed whatever we wanted to install on it. And then we asked you what your intentions were. And if we didn't like your intentions, we just wouldn't give the server to you. <laughs> well, now we've got cloud, right? Yeah. And they're like, Hey, I have a credit card too. If yeah. you don't let me do this, I'm just going to go do it myself. Now we're, it's a, it's no longer a recommendation that we collaborate. It's, it's demand. The business is going to move on. So yeah. it's our, it's our job as cybersecurity professionals to, to secure the business and understand what they're doing and figure out how our processes can work with theirs in the most efficient manner. That's how I feel about it. 
And it's it served me well. And like I said, massive credit to Joanna Berkey because she's the one who kind of put me on that path of of transitioning from soldier to diplomat, so to speak. Yeah. Excellent. Craig, thank you very much. Very insightful. So I hope you enjoyed my interview with Craig Waddell. What particularly stood out for me was Craig's unique background and journey into cybersecurity after having served in the military. His passion for identity access management was sparked years ago working with the inventor of the SSH protocol. Craig provided thoughtful perspectives on how security teams need to collaborate more closely with business users and forge relationships. His advice to forget you're in cybersecurity and remember you're a person certainly makes sense. Thanks again for listening. In the next episode, I will be speaking to the founder of of a next generation AI fintech startup. So make sure you check back in soon. Thanks again.